We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio. I'm Walker Wildman. That's my name. I'm your host for the show here on American Family Radio. This is The Core here on AFR. Our website is AFR.net. AFR.net is our website. You can listen to the podcast there. You can also listen live. So you can catch, catch past shows, but you can also listen live on... Um, the website, AFR.net. We have our American Family Radio app as well. Download the AFR app. It's free. We live stream the video every day on Facebook and YouTube. Facebook and YouTube, we live stream the video on the show. So that's uh, several ways for you to keep up with the core. Uh, Jumping into the show for today, we're going to have my brother Wesley on as we do each Tuesday and Thursday. Then we'll have Rob Chambers back on with us today to talk about what's going on and the results in the state of Texas um, as it relates to the political primary, the election primary that they had just Tuesday of this week. So we'll talk with Rob Chambers in the last segment about that on this Thursday edition of the core. Uh, jumping into our scripture for the week, we are in Psalm chapter 11. Psalm chapter 11. And in uh, verse 3, the writer says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Um, the need for a strong foundation is paramount. And uh, last night I was at a Bible study and we were talking about uh, building a biblical worldview and how all everything around us sh- helps to shape our worldview for better or worse. Um, so God's Word needs to be our foundation. It needs to be our cornerstone, as uh, the word used in Scripture is, our cornerstone, uh, so that we build upon a, a solid foundation so that when the wind comes, when the trials come, when the difficulty arises, uh, we do not falter, we do not fall away from Christ Jesus, we do not fall away from our faith. So strong foundation is very, very important, not only in a uh, physical sense, but in a uh, more importantly, in a spiritual sense. Uh, moving into uh, the stories for today, a um, couple uh, news items. Uh, I brought uh, in today what I said I would bring in yesterday, and that is the 1994 agreement between between Russia, the UK, Northern Ireland, and the United States of America. So under the Clinton administration, you notice all these things happen under happen under administrations, <laughs> under Democrat administrations. Uh, many of these things happened under Democrat administrations. This agreement between 
Russia, the UK, Northern Ireland, and the US as it relates to Ukraine, the denuclearization of Ukraine that happened under the Clinton administration. Then Crimea was invaded under Obama's administration, and now the rest of Ukraine has been invaded under Biden's administration. See a little trend there. Um, All right, so this is from 1994. There were questions on the show about, well, what all does this 1994 agreement deal with? What is the 1994 agreement? Well, this this came out of the General Assembly. This came out of the United States. Nations, the UN General Assembly Security Council, on December 19th of 1994. As I mentioned, the parties involved were Russia, Ukraine, the UK, and the United States of America. Here is uh, the um, the part that that commits us to do something in Ukraine. Here's, here's the call to action or the commitment, if you will, and it's found in bullet point number four in this agreement. The Russian Federation, the United Kingdom of Great Britain, and Northern Ireland and the United States of America reaffirm their commitment to seek immediate UN Security Council action to provide assistance to Ukraine as a non-nuclear weapon state party to the Treaty on the non-proliferation of nuclear weapons if Ukraine should become a victim of an act of aggression or an object of a threat of aggression in which nuclear weapons are used. So if, if, if Ukraine becomes party to or becomes a victim of an act of aggression or an object of a threat of aggression in which nuclear weapons are used, then these countries that signed this agreement have committed to do what? Quote, provide assistance to Ukraine through the UN Security Council. So this idea, this narrative that the U.S. signed an agreement in 94 that commits America to sending military personnel on the ground in Ukraine to fight a foreign aggressor is not true. And this this stuff is about as vague as it gets. What is assistance? That's That could mean we send MREs and bottled water and blankets like Obama did, or we send tanks. What is assistance? I guess it depends on who's in charge. So the 1994 agreement... Um, does commit us to uh, provide assistance to Ukraine through the UN Security Council, and that's just about it. Uh, and my my entire point here for weeks has been that we don't need American blood spilt in Ukraine fighting for Ukraine and their borders. We can't even defend our very own borders. And this is the same crew that spent 20 years in Afghanistan only to give Afghanistan back to the people that we went there to defeat, the Taliban. 
So to, to act as if our leaders have some master plan here to defend Ukraine and then advance America's interest and then get out in short order, who are we kidding? I mean, I can't even believe that I have to convince people that we have a bunch of lunatics running our country. I can't believe I have to keep convincing people of that. I mean, the evidence is, a, is abundant. History shows that the people in charge of our government for the last 40 years have loved shedding American blood on foreign soil by the tunes of, of thousands of American troops, trillions of dollars, only to end the war in defeat. And if you ask the, 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 the war hawks, the Lindsey Grahams, who just want to go get their AR-15 and go fight Putin, which they wouldn't do, by the way, because they don't have the backbone or the will themselves to go fight uh, a foreign aggressor thousands of miles away. But you ask them this question, and this reveals it all. You say, well, what's the end game? What's our goal? What are we going to accomplish? And here's their response. <laughs> We're going to push Russia back to their borders. We're going to reclaim Ukrainian sovereignty. Okay, and then what? We're going to stay there, and we're going to defend Ukraine until Jesus comes back. Okay, so you're committing us <laughs> to a decades-long war worth trillions of dollars. And then... To that, we have to weigh out whether we want to do that or not. And I think the majority of Americans who have seen how this has gone in the past will say, no, thank you. No, thank you. If we want to send military aid over there, great. If we want to support NATO, which Ukraine is not a member of, by the way, and they haven't joined NATO, then, then great. If we want to send money over there, I guess that's okay as long as the money is used for good purposes. But Ukraine is notoriously corrupt, so where's that money going to go? No one really knows. But if we want to help Ukraine, then let's do it. But we're not sending American teenagers and, and American young adults over there to fight Russia. That is a terrible idea. That is a terrible idea with no plausible, meaningful way to win that war. So we need to learn from our mistakes and let's not repeat it. By the way, Zelensky had a press conference either today or yesterday. And um, he basically said that America was a little bit too late to the game. They were a little bit late to the war in Ukraine. Here's what he here's this uh, Fox News report I found this morning. Ukrainian President uh, Vladimir Zelensky said he and President Biden have a, quote, good communication, or have, quote, good communication, but said it's a, quote, pity the support came after Russia invaded Ukraine. So according to Zelensky, you, the U.S. really didn't step up its game in defense of Ukraine until after Putin had already invaded That's why I say let's be, let's, let's hold off the applause for Biden. Let's hold off the applause for our State Department. Let's hold off the applause for the Democrats because we should never be in this situation. We should have never been put 
in this predicament, in this situation where Russia is fighting Ukraine on Ukrainian soil. So a foreign policy blunder, a foreign policy miscalculation should not be applauded as a victory. This is a disaster, an absolute disaster. A um, couple things I want to play here, a couple clips. Um, this is, I'm going to play clip five here. This is what I've been talking about when it comes to energy, American energy. And we'll play this, play this clip after the break, but I'll go ahead and tee it up for us. Um, this is uh, America imports, uh, the number two importer of foreign energy to this country is Russia. So Canada is number one. They're the number one importer into America of energy. And then Russia is number two. Then Mexico's number three, and then going down the list. But uh, so we we rely on every year. Um, I don't know the exact number of barrels of oil, but hundreds of thousands of barrels of oil of Russian oil come into America every year. And the call now, and now even Democrats are joining the call. So welcome on board, Democrats to stop importing Russian oil. This is a no-brainer. This is a no-brainer. So Nancy Pelosi now comes out and says, we need to stop importing Russian oil. We need to stop buying Russian oil. I could not agree more. Cut it off today. The reason they won't cut it off today is because we are reliant on it. And if you cut off Russian imports of oil today, you thought gas was expensive now. <laughs> It will be sure enough expensive tomorrow. And it does take a long time to cut back on the spigot of American oil to the levels that we had under the Trump administration so we could be 100% energy independent. Imagine that. We'll see if the Biden administration will do it, but this is a great time to revive American energy production to levels where we don't need OPEC, where we don't need Russia to supply us with energy to run our critical infrastructure. Let's start relying on American workers, on American dollars, and on American energy to supply American needs. It's a no-brainer, and we should do it today. Be back in a few minutes. Whenever he lies, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The CDC has been collecting information on COVID hospitalizations for more than a year, but the agency has withheld most of it from the public. What's more, the agency seems to have selectively published information to support public messaging about boosters. According to the New York Times, when it published its first significant data on the effectiveness of boosters in adults, it conveniently left out the numbers on 18 to 49-year-olds, which showed that age group was the least likely to benefit from boosters. This is why no one trusts them anymore. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. According to a study conducted by the National Science Foundation, the average person has about 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. Of those thousands of thoughts, 80% were negative. Young girls' minds are breeding grounds for negative thoughts. From body image to fears of inadequacy, girls play out these negative thoughts in a constant repetitive cycle. It's time to break the cycle of negativity. Encourage your girl to recognize her negative thoughts and perhaps even capture a day's worth in a journal. Then find a new perspective on that negativity. For example, what did she learn from that negative experience? Seeking out the positive is like looking for God. He's always there, ready for us to find Him. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Judy Goodell and her husband set up a charitable gift annuity through the AFA Foundation. What we love about it is that it represents stewardship principles that we feel strongly about. So we got very, very excited about this opportunity. With a charitable gift annuity through the AFA Foundation, an AFA supporter can guarantee a permanent monthly income, as well as supporting the American Family Association for years to come. We do feel convicted about really praying about all that God has really blessed us with. And so many people we know just want to leave it all to their kids. And we know the danger of that. And so we just are really just trying to pray through it. And God gave us great confirmation as we prayed that this would be a good use of the Lord's money. Find out if a charitable gift annuity is right for you at 800-326-4543, extension 345, or email foundation at afa.net. AFA at the Core podcast are available at afr.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. Before I introduce my weekly special guest here, Wesley, well, I'll go ahead and introduce him and then let him pitch in on it this It can be clip. quick. Don't make it. I really don't. Don't. don't please. Don't, please, everybody, stay seated. Don't, don't pull over if you're driving. Don't give your bio. And don't, no bio. <laughs> if you're driving, just keep remain, remain calm, you know. Wesley, yeah. I've got this clip. And I'm going to get you to comment on this, but let's listen to clip five. This is uh, Senator Josh Hoven from North Dakota talking about how uh, oil from their state can be used to offset Russian oil. Clip five. Let's listen. My state of North Dakota is a large oil and gas producing state. We produce 1.1 million barrels a day, 1.1 million barrels of oil a day. Now, that, that's a lot, but that's down from 1.5 million barrels a day just a couple short years ago. Now think of what we've been talking about here, how we're importing more than 600,000 barrels a day of oil from Russia. Just my state alone had the Biden administration not put the kind of uh, restrictions on energy production in this country, we would make up most of that just from North Dakota. And that's what we're talking about. We need to unleash the energy potential of our country and absolutely shut down Russia's ability to sell oil and gas. That's what Russia's legislation does. It says no more exceptions. Let me give you another example. You've heard about the Keystone XL pipeline. In the 114th Congress in 2015, we passed through the Senate. It was, it was Senate Bill 1. It was my bill. We passed it through the Senate. We passed it through the House, and President Obama vetoed it. it that pipeline would be operating today, bringing in oil from Canada, 
our strongest ally in the whole world. You know how much? 830,000 barrels of oil a day. And we're importing 600,000 from Russia. That's the impact of what we're talking about. If we end these Biden restrictions on our ability to produce oil and gas and to not only have that oil and gas here for our consumers, you would reduce inflation and we could also provide it through LNG facilities to Europe to reduce their dependence on Russian gas and oil. And then we could shut down Russia and isolate Russia and completely end their ability to get any revenue from oil and gas sales, which is how they get their funds. Right. That's what this legislation is about. We didn't hear anything on that last night. It's time to get going. We need to do this now, not only for the benefit of our own economy to cut down on inflation so that Europe can stand up against Russia so that the world can stand up and isolate Russia and stop the naked aggression in Ukraine. That's what we're talking about. I guess in some way you could say at this point we're funding Russia's war. That is true. Um, yeah. and, and the and, tunes of billions. Yeah. You know, Walker, uh, let me ask you a couple questions here. What is the primary reason for um, the Biden administration and, as he quoted uh, back a couple years back, the Obama administration, reason for shutting down our ability to produce our own oil within our country? What's the primary? I'm guessing it's the it's the climate change. Climate change. Okay, that's what I thought. Yep. Okay, so if that's true, which I thought, I, I assume that. Yeah. But I wanted to make sure, and if that's true. From a from a self righteous standpoint, that's what we want to do. That's what they want to do. Okay. Yep. But then, why is it that we're okay funding other people <laughs> doing? You it? asked too good of questions, Wesley. No, seriously. I mean, th for yeah, those we're, that are we're, either way, we need the oil. To your point. Yeah. So we're just paying other countries for it to do to do the, our dirty work. Yeah. To I do. I mean, in the eyes in the eyes of the Democrats, in yeah. the eyes of those who are not all Democrats, but in the eyes of most Democrats, at least the party platform, when it comes to not producing our own oil in the name of climate change, Green New Deal. But we'll let somebody we'll, else produce we'll it for us. Yeah, we'll let somebody else do the dirty work and we'll give them the money. Um, that just <laughs> that, that describes our policy. Yeah, that is uh, that, my friend, is the height of hypocrisy. Yeah. If if you're going to be on a righteous mission on the Green New Deal and climate change and all that, you have to go all in. Which would also go back to which we've talked about on AFR for many years. These senators and these uh, those politicians and big tech leaders and CEOs who fly their private jets, who use uh, all types of gas and fuels for their businesses yep. and, and things like that, that's just a total joke. And at this point, we couldn't be more, especially with the with the, what's what's going on between Russia and Ukraine and Russia's invasion in Ukraine, we we couldn't have a better reason not to do that now. And to pump it on our own, so I, I don't know how they're going to get. I don't know how much longer they're going to be able to go without uh, making it, or to, while they'll be able to make excuses for not doing that. Yeah, and one one uh, topic that rarely gets discussed is the process of manufacturing lithium batteries. Uh, you have to mine those rare earth minerals and destroy. It, if I'm playing into their hand a little bit sure. here with my language. You have to destroy lands to to mine that um, rare earth mineral, lithium, to power the electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. um, and oh, yeah. so, so this this whole, quote, Green New Deal and yes. this whole 
climate uh, alarmism and moving to wind and solar, it, it, folks, it is, it is not all clean. It is no. not all righteous. And there's a lot of issues with it, not to the, the, the main issue being that it's not reliable at this point to power large cities and to power large uh, energy-consuming areas. Yeah, that's a self-righteous mission. Now, because, you know, God's given us, from a Christian perspective, and you see things through the lens of Scripture, mm. we know that God's given us uh, planet Earth here to to use. Um, now, we're supposed to steward it. Yeah. Um, and I believe as long as we're stewarding, stewarding it, uh, most, if not all, resources that he's given us will just replenish itself in a roundabout mm. way. And so, um, just speaking generally here in all things, you know, there, when I was in high school and I'm sorry, let me go back further. When I was in elementary school and middle school during those, uh, six or seven years, I remember there being a major, major, major push that if we were to take away to, to, to basically quit cutting trees altogether, mm. don't cut trees, don't use paper products, don't use paper products, get away from that altogether. And the reason they would say is because if you take trees away, then it removes the oxygen. If you don't have oxygen, you can't breathe. That was their train of thinking. Yeah, that, no more carbon monoxide. Oh, no, I say, um, which is all true. Which, which some of that's true if you completely do not have the discussion. The fact that they were replanting the trees. Yes, they were replanting. Oftentimes, them. replanting more they than they not, than they cut down. Yeah. So when I was in middle school, that was completely left out of the equation. Well, I get you know everybody's panicked and paranoid in, in the classroom. You know, 10, 12, 14 year olds. Panic, paranoid, don't, you know, don't use paper, don't use paper. And then you only, only to discover, wait, they're replacing what they took. So yeah. I say I use that illustration as, as, as an illustration for all resources that we have, especially in our country, um, that if we just take care of them, steward them, and in this case are oil, you know, there's obviously people out there that know a lot more about how that works, the process. Mm-hmm. But, you know, God's given us these resources to use. And the, uh, in, in our house individually as, as human beings, the more that we're self-reliant and that we're and we're independent and we're be able to take care of ourselves, the better we'll be individually. Then we can help other people. Yeah. Um. That, that's. I mean. That's just the process here. And that and that same application goes with our country. The more our country is able to be self-reliant and dependent upon itself in every aspect that God's given us, yep. then we can then be able to help other people, other countries, when 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 the opportunity presents itself. And I think that's how we should treat our resources here in the in our country exactly maintain the power to export our values and, and we, then we and do that by being self-sufficient absolutely and then you know look if there is a few things that we don't have that other countries have and there's a way that we can make a trade that's great hmm. um but at the end of the day america's always been the most the most innovative country in, in the history of, of that I, that i know of in the world yeah and so we can through time, uh, through innovation, we can create our own resources. I mean, we just got to be more dependent. Yeah, and, and the the pandemic that China released really highlighted our, our reliance on foreign supply chains. Yes. And, and and I didn't realize a lot of this, and uh, half of this probably until uh, the pandemic came about, about how much of our pharmaceutical supply chain is tied up in China. Mm-hmm. And uh, at least the ingredients. Yeah, a lot of the ingredients, some of the manufacturing. Um, uh, so that that was really a shock to me that one of our key adversaries, and I know the Democrats have a hard time calling them our adversaries, but they are in, in all reality. Uh, I, I would say China's a bigger threat than Russia. Ooh, Walker, mm. how dare you say that as no, Putin is are. invading Ukraine? <laughs> no, Russia is the big dog on the world stage, and they are out to eat our lunch despite what Biden says. 
and I can provide documentation and research and have on foreign policy experts, and they will agree. Uh, China is the big bad wolf on the world stage. Uh, Wesley, we wanted to talk uh, with our audience a little bit about the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. and how applicable and useful they are even for Christians today. Yeah, and I'll start off with the question for our listening audience for the core here and a- those that listen to a 4 My question to you, and it was a question I had to ask myself a couple years back as I began the study of the Ten Commandments, what, how many of us, this goes for myself included and Walker and Marty and everybody else in the room here, how many of us can quote the Ten Commandments? Uh, I know for me. Uh, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's convicting <laughs> there. It's convicting. It convicted me years back. And I might could do. Let me. Uh, you me try maybe. I can probably do half of them. Yeah, go on, on the fly on the show with no script and no studying prior to. Um, thou and I'll shalt, fill in where you. Thou sh- I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep this in the layman terms. Uh, thou shalt not uh, lie. Yep. Thou shalt not uh, bear false witness. That may be one and the same. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor. Thou shalt not commit murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's four out of the five. Four mm-hmm. out of the ten, or five out of the ten. What am I missing? You've got uh, honor your father and mother. Okay. You have uh, uh, thou shalt not uh, have any other gods before me. Mm. Uh, shall not have uh, idols. Mm. Uh, on keep the Sabbath day. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. And don't use the Lord's name in vain. Those are awesome. some of the other ones. Um, but the point that I wanted to get to is for me, uh, I was asked that. And so that, that sent me on a pursuit to learn the Ten Commandments in order and then from there to begin to understand how they apply to our lives nowadays. Now, there's a couple Internet pastors out there that you'll come across as you uh, that are, they're, they're well known that they, they don't see the need for the Old Testament and in particularly the Ten Commandments, but in reality, uh, Jesus talks a lot about the Ten Commandments. In fact, he reiterated, he reiterated them and actually raised the bar. So before we get into this, uh, we won't be able to get past much more than just the introduction of some of the things that I learned in the Ten Commandments. But before I get into it, Walker, I want to say, where if we get into this, and again, we won't be able to cover you know any of the Ten Commandments uh, individually uh, with the time we got left, but if we, if we find a great interest in what we're about to talk about, where can people go to let us know that, look, we want you to keep picking up where you left off because we, we'll have programs in the future where I'm on and we can take one commandment at a time. But yeah, where can they-, they can email the core at afa.net. That's our email address, the core at afa.net. And, uh, so let us know if you yeah, want us to continue feedback. on past what we're able to get to with the remaining time we got. So, all right, Walker, so there's about 1,700 do's and don'ts in the, te- in the Bible both old and new, do's and don'ts uh, from the Scripture, commands from God. Um, Now, of course, those varies from commands to individuals, commands to uh, the Christian in general, commands to a specific group of people during a specific period of time. Uh, you got a bunch of do's and don'ts, so around 1,700. And what I discovered, and when when I began to see that, well, that's a lot. Well, you can also break some of those down until you have the moral law, you have the Mosaic Law, but you also have the Civil Law. Well, what we get with the Ten Commandments is we get a lot of the moral laws and that are very uh, helpful, and they do not fade. So, for example, mm-hmm. the Mosaic Law was for a specific people in a specific time. Uh, but uh, And then there's a lot of the Civil Law. A lot of that is very applicable for us today. But then the Moral Law is uh, is for all people at all times 
throughout all of history. And Martin Luther said this about the the Decalogue, which is also known, or the Ten Commandments, which is also known as the Decalogue. So he says this, the Decalogue is not of Moses, nor did God give it to him first. On the contrary, the Decalogue belongs to the whole world. It was written and engraved on the minds of all human beings from the beginning of the world. And his theology principle there comes from Romans chapter 2, where it talks about how the law is written on our hearts. And Walker, uh, just before, as part of an introduction, you look at our country now and how many times we react and go, that's a that's not right. That's against mm. the Constitution. That's a that's law. Which the word I'll be using moving forward is lawlessness. Like that's we have a Constitution. We have a First Amendment. We have a Second Amendment. Uh, and then within the states, they have states' rights. Um, and so we have these things that are already in place. Uh, just one illustration we've talked about on this program uh, a couple of months back when we talked about immigration. By and large, and I'm no legislation, no, no legislator, mm-hmm. but by and large, from what I understand from listening to conservatives and Republicans and those that cover the immigration laws, we have apparently got really good immigration laws in place. However, we don't follow them. Yes, that's, we don't. That's an accurate <laughs> statement. So we don't Absolutely. follow them. So that's an example of being lawlessness. Um, and the Bible teaches us in Psalm chapter 119, verses 126. It said, "It is time for you to act, O Lord." For we, for they, have broken your law. And it's, that's where I think we're at in our country, where we have become such a lawless country in so many aspects that um, through difficulties, which I believe is what we're seeing now, through difficulties, God's going to act, and he's going to get our attention. And I hope that, uh, I hope that we, when he, as, he, as he does that, I hope that we respond as a nation and as individuals, as Christians. Well, you know, you just think about... Um, uh, the Ten Commandments here and how important they are in our lives. One thing that we have to remember is that I, then this is what I believe that the Ten the Ten Commandments, which is a structure for Christians and, and is very important in our lives. We got to ask ourselves why is the lawlessness going on in our country? And I believe it first happens because we as Christians have allowed we have it was removed before it was removed from the classrooms and the courtrooms. I believe it was first removed from the heart of many of the Christians and and mm-hmm. and in in their way that they acted in the public square. So yeah. there's just a lot I want to get through here. But if you're interested, we, again, there's a lot of um, catechisms and ways that we go about applying the Ten Commandments to our lives, and we can go to the go through those. If you're interested, let I us know. S- I say we do it. All right. Thank you, Wesley. Hey, thank you for having me on. All right. The Ten Commandments has a place in the life of the New Testament believer. That's the lesson you learned from today. And we'll talk more about that in future weeks with my brother Wesley. This is AFA at the Core. We'll be back in just a few minutes. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true. And if it's not true, then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming, our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA Streaming is now available. Learn more at AFA.net. Dear One Million Moms, I've always thought that maybe your organization was making a mountain out of a molehill. 
but today I cannot believe what I just saw on my TV. Concerned about the trash flowing into your home through today's media that simply will not censor itself? Make your voice heard. If you see trash in the media, tell us. Use the Submit Trash button at 1millionmoms.com. That's 1millionmoms.com. And thanks. You know, most tours of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., don't include the spiritual heritage of our country, the Christian history of our nation, the people, the places, the events that God used to birth America. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. My friend, historian Stephen McDowell of the Providence Foundation, goes with us on these tours, and he talks all along the way. He tells you about the people, the places, the events, and he does so from a Christian perspective. So you're invited to join us on one of these spiritual heritage tours in June and September. We also go to Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown on a separate tour if you want to do that as well. So for all the information, go to spiritualheritagetours.com. Again, simply the website, spiritualheritagetours.com. Parents often ask me, Mark, what can I do to improve my relationship with my teen? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. I want to give you three practical, concrete things you can do this week to improve your relationship with your son or daughter. Number one, try thinking of yourself as a student of your teen. Find out his opinions, feelings, and thoughts on subjects. Number two, consider sharing something personal about yourself. It's okay to let your child know that you are human and imperfect. Number three, don't judge your teen's comments. Maybe they're immature or dumb or flat out wrong, but judgment is going to make him retreat back into his shell. So there you have it. Three things you can do this week to help improve your relationship with your teen. Why not give them a try? Sign up for Mark Gregston's weekly newsletter article or other free resources at parentingtodaysteens.org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. Well, just not that long ago, a couple of days ago, we had in, in studio with us Rob Chambers, Vice President of Governmental Affairs, or Vice President of Policy and Legislative Affairs here at American Family Association, also an Executive VP over at AFA Action in studio to talk about the first primary of this cycle, this uh, midterm election cycle in the state of Texas. A lot of elections going, uh, happened in Texas on Tuesday. A lot of uh, uh, office uh, seats were on the ballot. Uh, Rob, welcome back. Thanks, Walker. Give us a rundown of how uh, what what Tuesday looked like in the state of Texas. Well, yeah, well, voter turnout was really uh, pretty low. Uh, you go back to 2018, the voter turnout was about 17%. In 2020, the primary turnout was uh, about 25%. And then this turnout, uh, this uh, election on Tuesday was 17.5%. So basically about one in five registered voters showed up at the poll. That is astonishing. And for you and I and, and others who are familiar with primaries and general elections, that, that statistic is not shocking Mm-mm. But uh, it shows, Rob, how few voters can move a primary. That is I so mean, true. 17%, that's like, uh, uh, that's where you get in 
even statewide races, I mean, hundreds of votes count. I mean, the, mm -hmm. every vote counts, and we're not saying that just uh, just to say it, but uh, but that's that's astonishing. But Rob, that's that's been how it's been for a long time, hasn't it? It really is. It's been it's been like that. People think it's the only thing that's important is showing up in the general election. That's when everybody's attention is turned toward mm -hmm. the election. But really, the more important uh, election is in the primary because that's who's de that's where you determine who the quote the best candidate is or the, your choice of for candidate. the general yes <clears throat> wow so uh tell us about some of the specific races that we had in texas yeah so i'll start at the uh top with the statewide elections of governor so uh greg abbott uh led out there with 66 percent of the vote in the gop primary there there uh, alan west 12 percent hey alan west came in at number two yeah 12 percent 12 percent yeah i'm surprised uh Huffins or Huffines. I'm not from Texas, so I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, okay, he came in at right below Allen West at twelve percent. Uh, I seen I saw a lot of traffic from him mm -hmm. and uh, and his followers. I knew some people that supported him. Uh, yeah, incumbency is hard to beat, isn't it? Rob? It really is. I mean, you got the you got the, the the name ID, so that's that's it's really hard to uh, for for a someone challenging an incumbent to basically override that yeah and abbott abbott i would say from a christian from a conservative political perspective abbott's been been pretty good in the state of texas he's definitely been better than some other republican governors <laughs> we know yep. um but but there are also some some people who have been up frustrated because of his lack of aggression when it comes to the conservative movement well yeah to your point there and that's one of the reasons that uh huffines ran because yes. he was tired of uh According to him, uh, Abbott sitting on the fence on on some things. Yeah. And so that's what prompted him to run, and uh, and I think according to him, he even helped push Abbott in the right direction on some things. Yeah. Sometimes that's a good thing. Yeah. What else you got over so, there? So yeah. Also, Lieutenant Governor, uh, that is uh, where Dan Patrick is the incumbent there. I mean, he basically ran away with that with almost eighty percent of the vote. And uh, another one is the Attorney General. That's been a really interesting uh, race there because you had. Uh, the incumbent Ken Paxton. Pretty crowded field, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, George George P. Bush. That's uh, Jeb Bush's uh, son, George W. Bush's uh, nephew, and uh, Eva Guzman and Louis Gohmert. Okay. So yeah. So Ken well, Paxton tweeted out earlier today. He said, "Well, the establishment got their wish uh, <laughs> a, a primary runoff." Yeah, you know, I don't know George P. Bush. Uh, I'm familiar with the Bush politics of the last few decades. Um, and um, I wouldn't call it conservative, or at least not very conservative. So, well, our voter guide, the AFA Action I voter guide, rates uh, George P. Bush as moderate. Moderate, okay. So to my point there, um, uh, what is what is Ken Paxton? Uh, is he conservative or very con verified conservative? Ken Paxton is verified conservative. That's that's a hard uh, rating to get, and uh, verified means there's evidence there that proves uh, to us that he is is a bona fide conservative. Gotcha. So there's plenty of information there. Has George P. Bush that. ever held office? He is. I uh, believe he was the uh, land commissioner. Okay. There in Texas, and one thing interesting there that uh, a bit of a dust up and that with uh, George P. Bush as uh, land commissioner was that uh, that he was in favor of moving a monument from the Alamo hmm. 
So in this day and age when you, you hear about people wanting to move monuments from one place to another or, or scrubbing the landscape. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't understand it, uh, why he wanted to do that. But it is a, it's a memorial there to memorialize those from Texas who, who fought against uh, Mexico for the Texan uh, independence of Texas. Yeah. In, in, in this day and age, moving monuments and um, scrubbing our history uh, usually doesn't end up very well. No. Um, so 17% turnout, what are some other states, uh, are these states going to start, uh, having, uh, what's, uh, I guess when is Super Tuesday? Uh, Super Tuesday should be coming up, what, in March or April? That's going to be, uh, actually the next round of elections, uh, primary is going to be in May. Okay. Let's look that up. Super Tuesday 2022 is, uh, June, March, no, not March 3rd. That was 2020. Let's see here. That is going to be May 10, and that is the next one. That's going to be uh, Nebraska and West Virginia. I'm sorry. Let me back up. It's going to be May 3rd, Indiana and Ohio. Okay. Just those two on that date? Those two on that date. Then uh, you have Nebraska on and uh, West Virginia on May 10. Uh, you have on May 17th, Idaho, Kentucky, North Carolina, Oregon, Pennsylvania. On the 24th, you have Alabama, Arkansas, and Georgia. And then in June, you have a whole slew of I got you. Of, of uh, states. So the next several months will be a lot of primaries, and then we'll be heading into general. A lot of primaries, runoffs, and then general election. Uh, Rob, how can folks be in a more informed voter? Well, first of all, you know, one thing, you know, what we saw in the statistics, one in five registered voters sh- are showing up to vote. That means you, if you did not vote or not voting in the primary, you are letting someone else determine the destiny or the quality of your vote or your non-vote. Hmm. So I would say, first of all, make sure you're registered and then vote. Uh, statistically, also, uh, 50% of Christians aren't even registered to vote, and half of them don't even show up on Election Day. So Christians need to vote. Christians need to, need to get registered and vote. Absolutely. All right, Rob, appreciate you for coming in, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Uh, AFAaction.net is the website there. AFAaction.net is the website, and there you can link through to the iVoter Guide, which is a division of AFA Action. And as Rob said, the first priority is just to vote, <laughs> but with that, be an informed voter. And you can do that by going to AFAaction.net, clicking on the iVoter Guide tab. Then you key in your address. It provides a list of all of the candidates that are on your ballot. And then you know how they, where they stand on the issues. It's uh, AFA Action is doing a lot of the homework for you. You have to go there, read about the candidates, see where they stand on the issues, print off the voter guide, or take the little PDF on your phone or the browser, and then go to the ballot box and uh, vote how you see best to vote. Vote for people that share your values. So that's our call to action today. Um, a story out of out of florida this is this is this is gold right here as i say this is gold governor ron DeSantis. he was at the university of south florida doing a press conference um and he walks in the room and the students from the university were standing behind the podium you know how they do like a photo op and you got the media there well they were all wearing masks They were all wearing masks behind the podium, standing there, you know, posing, ready for the governor to come speak. And so Governor Governor DeSantis walks in, and he just said, he's had enough of this whole mask charade. Let's listen to the governor, clip three. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take care. All right, let's, uh, 
you do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. <laughs> Honestly, it's not doing anything, and we got to stop with this COVID theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is a, this is ridiculous. All right, well, it's good to be at USF. <laughs> Governor DeSantis walks in, and I'll just read um, the uh, the transcript here. I know that that was a, basically a hot mic um scenario so he wasn't at the podium you could just hear him talking in the background and he walks in the governor of florida there and he says um we've got to stop with this covid theater if you want to wear it that's fine but this is ridiculous <laughs> and before that he told him to take it off um so governor DeSantis said he's had enough uh with the, the covid charade and uh, i i couldn't agree more i couldn't agree more glad for him speaking up and you know what I'm really waiting for is the day when we ban mask wearing. <laughs> I know nobody's ever thought of that before, but think about it. I mean, do we really want people with their identity covered up walking around all the time? Probably not the best idea. Probably not the best idea. Then you get into the psychological effects of wearing masks, which is being studied now and has been studied in the past. And so our wearing mask, not only are wearing mask, is wearing mask effective from a medical scientific perspective, and I think we, we know the, the answer to that, and it's not, that they're not. We've studied it on the show. We brought in the research. But I'm just waiting for people to start banning mask wearing. I'm waiting for the first restaurant or store or small business owner to say, no mask wearing in my store. So instead of you have to wear a mask, it's you can't wear a mask in my store. I think it's going to be glorious, and I will cover that story uh, the first time it, it it percolates in the news media. I think that would just be excellent. And uh, you can't say, see, here's the thing, folks. The left and, and, uh, and the radicals in our country, they love to bully people. They love to bully people. And... Uh, but and, and they love to force people to do things. But when we try to force people to do things, like let's, let's say uh, hypothetically force people uh, to not wear a mask, then they'll say, oh, you can't tell people what to do. It's their body. It's their choice. If they want to wear a mask, they can. Uh, I only wish they would apply that standard across the board, and this country would be a whole lot better off. Well, the mother of one of the students that was behind the governor thought she would go talk to the media and talk about how mean and bad the governor is of Florida. So let's listen to, and, and let's, uh, folks, we're on radio, so you can't see this video, audio that I'm playing. You can't see the video. But this is the mother of a teenager that goes to the University of South Florida. And she, uh, he's actually in high school, but he was there visiting the university. Uh, she's standing beside her son. She's not wearing a mask, and he is, and she's complaining about how the governor told her son to take the mask off. Let's listen to clip four. I'm responsible for him, and I told him to wear that mask. And Governor DeSantis, and he's looking at this adult authority and, and he's telling him, oh, you didn't have to wear the mask. What was your reaction when you heard the governor tell you and your classmates, remove your masks? Um, a bit of surprise and shock, more of, okay, this authority, author, this authority figure is asking me to do something that I know is probably going to end up being controversial. So. I took mine off. Did you feel pressure by the governor to do that? Mm. Um, 
Not not a hard question, by the way. A little. It was more of a pressure of an adult figure asking me to do something, and it's just like, all right, why not? It's just shocking that the governor told these kids, take off your mask. It, it, he pretty much said, take off your mask is stupid, and take off your mask. Your parents don't matter. Even though I'm, I'm telling you, parents matter. And he's telling my minor child to take off his mask. He's putting us at risk. So, oh, oh yeah, to- I was upset. Oh, Very upset. Upset. Shocking. Traumatic. She might have PTSD. Because her son had to take his mask off, or he chose to take his mask off. Meanwhile, she's doing the media interview about 12 inches away from the reporter without her mask on. You can't make this stuff up. So we can coerce people to take an experimental shot that could have fatal effects. We can coerce little two-year-olds to wear a dirty mask all day. But if we tell people to take their mask off and breathe fresh air, it's shocking. It's brutal. We're putting people in danger. Talk about upside down. This world is upside down. And this country is full of so many people that are paranoid. They live in constant fear for their life over some of the most petty minute issues of our day. We have a massive opioid problem in this country with the drug cartels and foreign cartels shipping opioids at record levels into this country. We have poverty. We have teenagers and children being shot in Chicago every single weekend. We've got a crumbling nation in in historic debt with a commander-in-chief that is out of his mind. But what is our priority? Our priority is Ukraine and wear your mask. Maybe we should get our priorities back in order. AFA at the core. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.